Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I somehow managed to get like 10 hours of sleep last night. Wow. That's great. Yeah. It was awesome. The previous night I had really terrible sleep and uh, last night was awesome. Just felt great. Like I, I woke up and I've been waking up at like six or five or four uh, most days recently. And I like opened my eyes and I was like, I wonder what time it is. And it was like 8.50. I was like, whoa. Nice. Yeah. I love it when that happens. I uh, Last night for me was I woke up at... 3.30 and I think I laid there for like an hour and a half and then uh, knew we were recording this morning and knew I hadn't set an alarm so then I was like I grabbed my phone and set an alarm to make sure I didn't like cruise right through our recording time <laughs> and then I pushed it back <laughs> yeah I could have slept another hour bed uh sorry <laughs> no I was I already naturally woke up at like 8 a.m I kind of okay. it's hard for me to sleep beyond that so mm-hmm. you know so uh, what's going on in your life well I'm hanging in there. Yeah. Adjusting to the, to the new normal that we're all in, but, um, I've been enjoying work the last, the last week or so. So that's been good. Nice. That's good. I think I'm going to head out to my parents this weekend. Yeah. They live out uh, further from the city and have, we've sort of both been fully isolated for a while now. So it's like, okay, it seems like pretty safe for us to do this. Yeah. You can, you can call them part of your quarantine have you heard this term? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be good to get some... I've been in my apartment uh, alone for like uh, eight days now. And like, it's fine. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, like as an extrovert. But I've, I've definitely gotten better at like in handling introvert time. It's not the, the best thing that's ever happened to me. How much um, video chatting have you been doing lately? A lot. Kind of a yeah. lot. Yeah. It helps some. It's, you know, it's, it's not the same, but it, it helps a bit for sure. Same here, like some for work stuff, some for just hanging out with friends or whatever. And it's like nice, but also I've been trying like gradually mixing in just voice only calls too, because there is that whole, just that fatiguing effect that happens with video. Um, totally. Yeah. I, I did a, a one-on-one with um, Adam, our, our salesperson today, and we've been doing them on like just phone, which is actually really nice because I can like like walk around my apartment and like you know like oh i noticed i need to put this book away or like it's just like being able to, to just move around and not constantly think about my face and what it's doing is actually really kind of nice yeah i've seen some articles floating around uh, people doing like studies or quasi studies or whatever about just how draining it is to be on video all the time compared to being like in the same room with people where you can look down you can look around you can you don't have to be on 100% of the time. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So why have you been enjoying work? Well, first of all, before I before I talk about how I've been enjoying it, like, for anyone who needs to hear this, like, in general, I feel like I've been kind of swimming through molasses, like, (laughs) like, in terms of just getting my motivation level up to where it was pre pandemic. And I guess just feeling the feeling the weight of everything happening in the world, like, I'm definitely operating at lower productivity for my own stuff. And I've managed to figure out how to be okay with that. And I think that's why I've been in managing to still enjoy, enjoy stuff. You know, it's like still doing the basics, setting small goals. on What do I want to get done today? And then hammering it out and I'm feeling some satisfaction from doing that. You know, um, mm-hmm. was that the core thing that made you feel more okay with it? I like think setting so. like goals that were a little bit smaller and more, more achievable. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's like, if you start thinking long-term big picture too much of the time, then you can start to get, at least for me, I can start to feel overwhelmed by 
the uncertainty, <laughs> you know? It's just like, you know what? No, worry about today's problems. Wake up, <laughs> wake up, figure out what you're going to get done, get it done and take satisfaction in that and, and try to repeat. So yeah, it hasn't all been like hyper productivity for me or all rosy, but mentally I think it's, it's been, it's been pretty good. So yeah, so I've been working on prototyping the, the new product that I've yet to reveal too many details about um, and feel like I have a kind of a good handle on what the key differentiators are going to be for this thing in conversations with with several people who are like really intrigued and want to be my first my first customers for this. So I, under normal circumstances, I think I'd be way more like on fire and like fill in the madness for this. And like it's a it's a subdued madness, but it feels like I think I've hit on an angle here where there's an opportunity to improve something for the market. I'm just making little steps forward on that. And I've been enjoying actually this is this has been fun to to work on a on a new problem that doesn't have quite the same level of like front end complexity. And so I've been I've been building this as like a vanilla Elixir Phoenix application server side rendered. And man, it's like it's like the glory days of Rails for me, like early days discovering just how productive you can be staying on the mainline path of like, let's just render this with server-side templates and and drop in libraries as it makes sense. And things just move really fast, I found, compared to the other world where it's like, yeah, you spin up a separate app for the front end and then you write an API so that the front end communicate with the back end and all the hoops you have to jump through to make that thing smooth. It's been very refreshing getting to get back to like the, the old school web app um, architecture. Mm. That's interesting. I've been out of the the JavaScript game. I sort of never got into it. I'd like dip my toes into it reluctantly. But that was always my feeling was I was like, I feel like this is just more work than rendering this in the server, like by a lot. And so it's interesting to hear someone that has a lot more experience with sharing that perspective. Yeah. I mean, it's like something feels good about the model of thinking of your front end as like as just a consumer of the API and like this clear boundary of like you send data from the back end to it and then it's responsible for rendering itself. Like there's a purity to that. There's something about that that appeals on a theoretical level to me, <laughs> but in practice, it's just, it's so much ceremony to get the same amount of stuff done. And so if you don't need it and you can afford to, if you can afford to say like, maybe I have one piece of complex UI that, that could use like a react or, um, you know, some kind of heavier, like delegate all the rendering to the front end type of thing, then if you can, if you can live with like maybe a flash of loading state where like it's initialized and you can just delegate that one part of the screen to react instead of the entire thing, like you can potentially benefit from having, you know, the rest of it go really, really, um, smoothly without a lot of ceremony. So mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've like become this like grizzled ornery <laughs> you kids and your javascript kind of developer mm -hmm, mm -hmm. over the years yeah um, so i've started to like stop paying attention so it's like i'm not reevaluating. like is this a good idea should i think about this it's more like this is not really relevant to me anymore so i'm just stuck with these beliefs yep yeah it's probably for the best for the position you're in <laughs> i mean as always things kind of go in cycles where they come we come back and rediscover like it's hilarious that so much of like Next.js, which is the kind of the front end stack that that I have for static kit. That's like all server side rendered React 
or you can you can pre-render on the server. Like the model of that framework feels very much like old school PHP. Like we just keep rediscovering kind of the same patterns like, oh, yeah, maybe it, it routing is nice when you can just drop a file with that name and then access it in the URL bar with the same name. Like that's really nice not having to write a whole router. Let's just use the file system. And there's so many like patterns that just get rediscovered for their elegance. If you stay out of it for a few years, you'll come back in and you'll probably still kind of recognize a lot of what's going on if you ever <laughs> wanted to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you just time it right, the cycle will return back to where you were. And so you'll you'll be very familiar with the paradigm. Exactly. Just keep your old wardrobe from 10 years ago of, uh, Ooh, of web development skills and uh, <laughs> exactly. it'll, it'll come back. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so any thoughts on when you'll start talking about what the new thing is? Again, still very hesitant to give public expectations on a date or anything. I'm curious about like the, what the next milestone is in your head for that. Yeah, yeah. Like I wanting to make some progress on the initial version, like what I've kind of discussed with my mastermind as like strategy is like build just the minimum of what I need to to get my first two customers on the, the people that I'm talking to the most about it, get them using it as quickly as but like optimize for getting them able to switch on to it. And I could potentially do that before I go public with it. It'll be good for my head to have a nice head start on something and not be like promoting vaporware for too long. That's what I'm kind of debating is like, do I do I get enough built where I can actually onboard a couple people before going public with it? That might not be a terrible strategy. And especially right now where a lot of people are really distracted and I'm still trying to figure out what the what the right line is on like hyping stuff and promoting stuff in the midst of the global climate. And then, uh, yeah, and then my my little tuple project has still been chugging along and that's still been a, a nice little diversion for me to to dive into and make progress on. So um, it looks like we're getting like pretty close to dropping that in there. Yeah, I think my my checklist is is almost down to to zero on like concrete um, you know states to design and stuff. So yeah, I think it's it'll pretty soon be time to start uh, pairing with maybe some of the other tuple devs and seeing about getting this thing glued glued in. Yeah, we should we should definitely schedule that next week. I think. Yeah, there's some backend changes we need to make to support one or two of the new flows, and I'm sure there will be some stuff we discover as we actually integrate. That's like, ooh, this doesn't quite work like that. So, but yeah, it'll be, it's going to be pretty fun to, to ship this one. Yeah. I'm, I'm psyched about that. I'm super excited for it. Yeah. yeah. I thought about you and I talked about like teasing some screenshots or something, but I think I'm just, I kind of just want to just drop it on people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, um, but yeah, we'll see. Maybe we'll, yeah. we'll do something. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's been awesome having you working on that. I'm, I'm excited to, excited for this to hit the world. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Uh, so should I do some stuff? Yeah, what's been going on in your world? So we signed an agreement to hire a security firm to do a pen test. Nice, nice. Yeah, which I'm actually looking forward to in a way. It's like having some professionals come in and do some proper testing of, of all that stuff uh, will be really nice. Um, help us feel better, help us make the product more secure, help our customers feel better. Just seems like one of these like checkboxes of becoming kind of like enterprise grade or like, you know, like real legit production company and not just like scrappy startup i think that's kind of like this year is going to be that i think is sort of like our transition from three guys in a bedroom to you know like a company like a real one that has contracts and contractors and qa and doesn't break things and all that kind of stuff like it's just kind of graduating 
into the the realness of a mature company. Yeah, yeah. What does the process look like for this? Do you do you hand them code? Do they hammer it from the outside? Like everyone I talked to recommended what they call gray box testing. So it's sort of like source assisted testing. So they they look at the code to kind of give them ideas of things to go try to exploit. There's a trade-off there. If you want, you can have them do fully black box testing where they have no code at all, but then you need to budget typically a lot more time to find things. Like if they see a insecurity, they can probably go exploit it pretty fast. If they don't, maybe they have to spend a week fuzzing it and like looking for stuff. The idea is that like this is kind of like the best trade-off of like budget and time. Yeah. Seems like unless you're like the type of company where it's just impossible to get the intellectual property like sign off from legal on allowing someone to see the code. Like it seems like this is optimal in almost every way to just let them like see the code and then try to like exploit based on what they see. Yeah, I think so. I think unless you're like just yeah hyper worried about anyone having your code, which eh, there is a lot of secret sauce in the tuple app. So like I don't love giving somebody else access to it, but that's all right. I think I think in this case it's it's worth the risk. This is reminding me of a quick story uh, when we were doing. Um, due diligence stuff for the drip acquisition one of the things they wanted to do was like test to make sure that we didn't we weren't like violating intellectual property laws or whatever and like including source code that was not technically licensed for our our ability to use it and they did this they sent in like a contractor who came in on site and he wanted to run like a number of static analysis tools and stuff he had the software that was going to run the stuff and he needed to run it on our code base but like he was like extra careful not to take any bits off site. So he came on site, put it onto a, onto like this raspberry Pi thing, ran the analyses and then like gave us the raspberry Pi and was like, here, it's yours now. <laughs> Cause I don't want, I don't want any hardware that has operated your software at all. Hmm. Um, seems, seems nice. Yeah. It was just, that was, I found that amusing. Presumably a security firm that has other people's source code has pretty good practices around keeping your code safe. Otherwise, wow, not too worried about that. I think it'll be all right. So that is moving forward. Um, We also are today, one of my goals is to get our posting up for hiring a full-time Mac OS engineer. We are working part-time with Don and that has been great, but it seems like Don wants to stay sort of part-time for now. Uh, We're looking to flesh out the team even more get Spencer sort of another like proper a set of hands more help there's still an enormous amount of code that's more or less being maintained by one person and that's not just it's just not sustainable and so we're gonna get a job up for that pretty soon okay and this will be like a a w2 kind of full-time thing or probably full-time contractor to start another item for us and just one one word on that which is like if if this is maybe you please let us know like or if you know someone great especially if they have a lot of experience like testing desktop macOS apps. I think that's one thing in the client that we would love to get more sophisticated on is like an automated test suite. And how do you test an, an app that like connects two computers together with different monitors and a Bluetooth mouse and like someone changes the headset to from this to that? Like there's a lot of really hard things to test in this app. But still uh, figuring out some, some sort of testing strategy uh, if you have experience kind of wrangling these sort of things that would be particularly of interest because that's that's the thing i would love to see us head towards over the the next year basically is like making it harder to like have regressions and and feel more confidence in our changes on the client in particular if that's you or you know someone please 
let me know. Ben at tuple.app is my email or tweet at me or whatever, but just please. We need this person and we want them soon. So urgency. And then we also hired or are like in the very last stages of hiring an accountant. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you, you're really growing up now. <laughs> I, I know. We're becoming a real, this, yeah, doing the back office stuff as well. We use Bench for bookkeeping and they've been like pretty good, uh, but they don't answer like accounting level questions or like modeling, like, can we afford to hire a full-time macOS engineer? Like, what does that look like? And like, like doing some modeling and also just like, we're filing as an S corp this year. So like, what salary should we pay ourselves? And like, who files the taxes and when and how and just these things that like bookkeepers are like that's not our bag right so. so sort of like a contract like controller cfo type of role uh kind of yeah i mean i, I guess so definitely contract yes but an accountant as opposed to i don't know other things i guess yeah yeah because this, this, this is distinct from like i'm assuming you have hired an accountant to do your company taxes right but yes. that's just sort of like a, in a very limited yeah, yeah in a limited way this is yeah. a, a little bit more of like hopefully a strategic advisory kind of relationship this person that we're talk, like, been talking to has, works with a ton of SaaS companies, um, especially like probably held businesses and things like that. And so just has seen a lot of the, the things that we're about to bump into or things we've never gotten a great answer on and, and has good advice on those things. Like we had a, a one hour call and he was already very helpful. So we're like, yeah, great. Let's do it. Let's get a pro involved here. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. to And someone who's, yeah, has like some familiarity with the type of business. That's something I found over the years with accountants. It's like, there's a lot of different types of businesses. And if they're not familiar with your type, then uh, it could just be pretty painful trying, <laughs> trying to get, get them on the same page. So totally. And just like talking about like accrual versus cash basis and talking about how do you deal with sales tax as you get a bit larger and you have customers in all these states. And the fact that like, he anticipated slash you know had reasonable answers for and, and clearly a lot of experience in all of these little sort of edge case a year like you know SaaS specific things was just like it was very helpful it's like okay this is this is who we want to do this kind of thing i guess we're hiring security professionals mac os professionals and <laughs> numbers professionals and it's like i said this is kind of i think going to be the theme it feels like we're hitting like kind of the new phase of of tuple I think if you talked to me maybe six months ago, or maybe even possibly even three months ago, it was kind of like, let's just see how lean we can run this. How much revenue can we do with just, you know, three people? And then like the market got bigger, the load got higher. And it's just like, we started to feel the pain. We're like, we, it was like, okay, now this is starting to be bad. Like it's starting to be, a, the job is like, there's too much work or it's not fun or we're doing a bad job at this because we don't know what we're doing over here or it's not a good fit for our personalities or it worked really well for a long time. And then, but I feel like it, 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 we did start to hit the, we're kind of at that breaking point right now. That's pretty interesting because I think a lot of us think that like we kind of idealize the, the state of staying small, you know, but then yeah, that is an interesting side to it that once things start to like, you can't really necessarily control like if your business is growing and the things you're doing are working, then things get more complicated. There's more responsibilities to share around, right? Yeah, totally. It's it's so interesting. This was the so in the Jason Cohen's building the ideal bootstrap business talk, still the best talk at MicroConf of all time, bar none. He does 90% of this talk about how do you build a great bootstrap business? And then at the end, he goes, so what do you do if it works? And it's like, well, now you have more and more customers and it becomes hard to support them. What are you going to do about that? Are you going to give them bad support? 
well, okay, so if you don't want quite as many customers, you could raise the prices, but that changes, you know, who you get as customers and maybe changes the shape of the business in ways you don't want. You could sell this thing, but then maybe you're sad. A lot of people sell businesses and then feel pretty depressed for a long time. And it was like, I remember like watching that section and being like, yeah, whatever. Like that's, you know, like who who cares about that problem? That's a great problem to have. And now it's like, wow, we're there. (laughs) It's like we, we made a bootstrap business. It worked. But now we're we're, ta- we're dealing with all these problems that he talked about, and the thing that I used to dismiss is now kind of like this is this is the job, and this is this is what I have to care about now. So it's it's really interesting. Yeah, I was I guess like a check in. Are you do you still feel like you're enjoying your job, like your day to day responsibilities, or are you feeling like the you feeling like the urge to like all right let's let's get these things off my plate because I don't necessarily enjoy them or yeah where are you at I guess on I'm actually in a pretty good place now. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, when we were having crazy amounts of inbound like enterprise sales requests, and I was handling all of those, I was not enjoying that. Like that's just I, I enjoy talking to people, and I, I think I'm pretty good at like selling the company when that's needed. But the whole like manager purchasing process be really detail-oriented follow-up with everybody at a good schedule and get all the forms filled out and things not a great fit for me so like i don't know about a month ago i was not enjoying it now that we have adam helping uh, and doing those things that has taken off kind of like my least favorite job so that has been really huge um and the rest i sort of i think i always just enjoy a new challenge like a new thing i have to go learn that i don't understand and so because the company keeps growing, the challenges keep changing. While I do miss kind of just going in the zone and writing a bunch of code and like be operating in an area where I just feel very competent, I do also take a lot of pleasure in gaining competence in a thing uh, and going kind of deep on that topic and, you know, reading some books and listening to some podcasts and then, like, all right, here's how other people think you should hire someone. Let's try to implement that version of uh, or like our version of that process. Yeah, yeah. It seems like an an ideal um, personal trait to have as an early stage startup founder with a rapidly changing environment. <laughs> I think um, I think it's maybe ideal if it's working. Yeah, yeah. Um, like if the company started to stay, like to like if if growth slowed down and stayed flat for a long time, I think then it would become a liability because then I would be like, well, I don't like this. It's all the same. It's sort of like I like learning new things, but like I'm sort of best at the first 50% of a project and then like finishing it is like really harder for me, a lot harder. Like I like to figure out the pieces and kind of get things going. And then like I feel like once I can kind of see the finish line, I lose all interest. It's not all roses. It's like I think there's there's some good things about that trait, but I I do have like some, some weaknesses on there that come with it that I have to sort of work on. Could you ever see yourself pulling a Cohen and firing yourself as the CEO? You know, I thought about that. I I don't think so. I do really like being in charge of it. I like what the CEO job is. I don't think I would want to get out of that. Which does eventually become a interfacing with people type of job, right? Than a individual contributor type of job. Which does seem to me like in line with your personality of like Yeah. I I agree. I I think that will work pretty well for me. Like if if someday I don't do any of the individual work, but I have a team of people that lead various departments and I work with those people. I think that'll be okay. Like when I talk to people who I've delegated things to, 
and sort of check in with them, that feels good to me. Like if I'm like making sure other people are unblocked and like everyone is kind of pushing forward and has the knowledge, the things they need, that feels pretty good. I don't, I don't exactly, I don't miss the contributing directly to that much. I think I might have the the brain for, for that to be satisfying. Yeah. I don't hear you pining for your Vim terminal um, too often, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which is... I pine for it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. I think that's that's a, that's a sacrifice I'm, I'm fairly happy to make, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially as, I, as we get more and more great people on the team. Like having you doing this UI redesign is just like... Wow, there's someone who's better at this than I am, who has a skill set that we lack, who is pushing us forward in a very clear way, and the product is going to get better for it. Um, it's just like oh, this is this is so good. This is, I get it. This, yeah. I get why you hire great people. Yeah, it's I can because, like, I can see how that get can get kind of addicting, and it's like great. What else can we do that on? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? right. It's yeah. like can we add two or three other awesome people that are, have like these great skills that will just make us more formidable and make the product better and make the customers happier? It's like because that's the that's the goal. It's like to just keep trying to make an awesome thing and like that's 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 always been like my kind of main motivator is like it just has to be really good so if the way you make it really good is by fleshing out the team's strengths with people it's like okay that seems that works for me have you felt at all stretched on like i want to hire this person but we're bumping up against like our comfortable line for profitability like you hear people like um jordan gall talk about this all the time with with cart hook where they kind of they kind of vacillate between like we're profitable now we're like wading into unprofitability a little bit so that we can hire the necessary people to get to the next level like do you feel like you're in that kind of cadence right now or is it or is it not not that tight i guess um it's not that tight yet uh we waited a long time before bringing on people there's just like tons of margin right now to play with like the, the amount that we pay out to ourselves as dividends is is a lot higher than we than we need. I actually need to sit down and kind of model out like, okay, what would it look like to hire this many people at these salaries and, you know, based on some growth projections of various kinds? And then like, what could we still pay ourselves if we hired this many people? Like what what would the dividends look like? What would the profit look like? So I'm we're kind of flying blind here. Like there's there's enough margin there that we've we've added some people part-time, like you know, a handful of hours a week, definitely can afford that, sure. Once we start talking about like full-time people, at, like developers, that kind of thing, it's like, okay, now we, someone's going to have to make a spreadsheet. getting expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that sounds like my, an, an e-job. Sounds like you should talk to Matt Wensing. Um, yes. That has actually been <laughs> on my mind a little bit, perhaps. He might we'll have see. a tool to help do some of this modeling. Yes. Yes. I think that's probably going to have to happen. <laughs> There's this interesting trade-off to be made around like, taking money now as we get it versus investing it back in the company the pessimist in me thinks like okay someday tuple will go bankrupt like eventually this company will be gone it would be a shame if we had invested all the profits back in and basically had nothing to show and like we had this thing that was a big success but we never really like you know won ourselves i don't want to take nothing out as we go i want to make sure we're like kind of like chalking up wins as we as we go and also like as tuple grows and its value goes up it becomes a disturbingly large percentage of my net worth. Uh, and so like you're supposed to, I need to kind of diversify out of that. So by taking profits out and putting them into other assets, it's like, okay, I'm kind of like helping to at least somewhat balance out this, this thing. But then also there's like, okay, of the things I can invest in, Tuple's a pretty good answer. Like I, I, I think it's a pretty promising investment. Uh, so rather than paying myself the next $1,000 or $10,000 or whatever, 
could I put that into a person who's going to help make the, the product better, the company better, the sales process better, that kind of thing is like, okay, so that's, that's a pretty compelling idea as well. And so I'm trying to sort of balance these two things, like the, the optimist and the pessimist, basically. Right. That kind of reminds me of like, um, in, um, the book zero to one, Peter Thiel's book, um, kind of talks about like the, the different ways of looking at, at investment. Right. And there's like the, there's like a matrix there. It's like definite optimism, indefinite optimism, like, and kind of the, the diversified approach is the, is indefinite optimism, right. Where you're like, I think things are going to like value GDP in the world's going to increase value is going to increase, but I don't know how it's going to happen. So I'm going to take my money. I'm going to give it, put it in the stock market or give it to a mutual fund or do something where like they can take this money and figure out, you know, diversify it and, and place a bunch of bets and, and we'll just kind of benefit from someone figuring out how to create more value in the world, which is, you know, a financially like wise decision to make by, by in many regards, but also like, I don't know, there's something to be said for saying like, no, we've got, we've got an engine, a money-making engine that is working right now. And yeah, can we, can we just kind of push more chips into that direction and, and, and keep investing in, in things that, that you can control versus like, I don't know, angel investing or putting it in the, in the U S stock market or something like that, where it's like kind of beyond your control to, to influence the growth. Um, it's like betting on yourself versus betting on kind of the economy, you know? Yeah. 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 It's a challenging, it's a challenging question. There's like one scenario that I, th- I think about sometimes that, that might make sense too, which is that to, to be pretty aggressive about reinvesting now and to like take a win more in the form of selling a small minority stake in the business at some point. The, uh, the base camp, the base camp yeah, story sort of. Yeah, exactly. The base like if at some point 10 or 15% of tuple becomes enough that it's a life-changing amount of money for the three of us, maybe just do, just sell it to some, you know, to some private people with no control and that we like talking to and that we think are friendly and then, you know, chalk up that win. And then it's like, okay, cool. We're, we're good now. The rest is kind of house money. That's not a bad approach. I mean, they've, they've talked about how and become more open about the fact that like that was a pivotal part of their journey was like being able to take enough off the table where we just took the pressure off or feeling like the need to, the need to harvest a lot of profits in the short term that that need went down um, considerably i bet nothing makes you have a long-term focus like well i already have you know seven figures in the bank so let's think about what this looks like to run for the next 10 years so i'm actually kind of curious about like modeling out like okay at what point would this amount of company be worth a certain amount that we you know would all agree is like that's worth it let's let's do that and think of that as the harvesting the like the profits strategy as opposed to Let's pay ourselves a ridiculous amount of dividends now and invest a lot less in the company so that we can sort of immediately get our portions of our like return along the way. Right. And but then, yeah, like if that were to happen, then you could model out, you could almost model out like, well, how much will that hamper our growth if we don't reinvest now? And like, what's the what's the long term trajectory change from that? Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's like a hard thing to model. But yeah, it's like, well, you know, clearly a tuple that has really good people helping make it better will do better but by how much and right what, a lot of what, it starts becomes a, a lot of guesswork in there totally um, yeah yeah but yeah it'd be an interesting sort of thing to play around with mm-hmm. think about yeah but these are all nice nice problems to have totally yeah as jason cohen said in his talk they're nice problems to have but they're still problems <laughs> yes <laughs> still gotta figure them out so exactly yep yeah, yeah. anything else on your mind mm, no i think that's it for now all right cool 
Well, uh, notes of the show. Notes for the show can be found at artofprogrampodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya.